0: friends, welcome back. I'm Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to our community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves, and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you're here today. My guest today is Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you're familiar with her books, her podcast, or her work, her work that's helped us to understand ourselves and the effects of our own thoughts on our lives, then you understand why I'm so excited to have her on our show today. She just released a new book for parents on how to help our children with their mental health. And here to help me talk to Dr. Leaf is Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families. Hi, Lynn. Welcome.
1: I'm so glad to be here today, Stacy. <laughs> this is exciting.
0: I you and I both have Dr. Leaf's books on our shelves, don't we?
1: Yes for sure. And we're really looking forward to this conversation today.
0: Okay. Let me introduce Dr. Leaf. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist, audiologist, and clinical and cognitive neuroscientist. Her passion is to help people see the power of the mind, to change the brain, control chaotic thinking, and find mental peace. Since the early 1980s, Dr. Leaf has researched the mind brain connection, the nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. As a highly sought after expert on mental health, she's the host of the top rated podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. She has numerous MAs and a PhD. Welcome to the show, Dr.
2: Leaf. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you both. Thank you.
0: Why don't we start off by you telling us about your family?
2: I have four adult children. I've been married to my husband Mac for 35 years and two children are married and one we're about to become grandparents in about four weeks time. So this will be very exciting. Very, very thrilled. And all four of my children actually work for us. So we work with us a which is really great. One part-time and the others, uh, others full-time. So that's been a tremendous, it has been tremendous to have them with me. I do a lot of research. I run clinical trials and my youngest daughter's on that. She's she's my research assistant and my other ones, one is, one is my producer and one handles all of our customer service and admin and my husband's our CEO. So it's been really great. We have another team too, but it's it's really great having all of us working together and it's a lot of fun.
1: Well, so that's just fun for me to hear because I'm going to become a grandparent at about the same time. <laughs> oh,
2: my goodness. Congratulations.
0: That's amazing. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Leaf, your research, your teaching has really taught the world that we can choose our thoughts. You show us how to do that You use the phrase, manage your mind, and that our thoughts either bring life or they bring death. In fact, I've seen you on stage and I've seen you, you usually speak, I don't know if you still do, but you have a very dead tree on stage and a very alive, beautiful looking plant or bush or something. We're going to talk about trees and thoughts later in the show. But, you know, I think one of the things that I have just so much respect for you is that you help us to take that verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, the verse that says we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that verse always bothered me because I thought, how can they put that in the Bible and not tell us how to do it? And
2: <laughs> you must know how to do that. So for that, I just say, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Leaf. Oh that's so sweet thank you yeah that's it's that is it's a very exciting field of study and it's very exciting to know how to do that
0: <laughs> you know your first book the one that i got very familiar with your work was called switch on your brain and then later you wrote the book cleaning up your mental mess. And that phrase, your mental mess has kind of become a branded tagline for your ministry. You know, in your new book, that's called How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess. You wrote the most beautiful dedication to your family. And then you wrote this. You said, this book is also dedicated to every parent and every child. You said, I want to let you know that it's okay to be a mess because we'll clean up the mess together. Would you talk to the parent who just is feeling really
2: messy to start off our show? Absolutely. I actually did a full podcast on this. So if people want to go and dive in deeper. It's, I think it's so important because there's so many standards that are set by our extensive ability to look at each other's curated lives, you know, with social media and, you know, and I always say social media is excellent. I love it. I think it's fantastic. The problem is how it's managed. And I think for a parent, it can be very overwhelming when you look at someone else's life and think, oh gosh, I didn't do that. And I'm not doing that and my child's suffering. And, you know, if you get usual cool, which we do, which is, so normal you know this terrible parent guilt and we just can't you know we all know we're not perfect we all know it's really hard to be have everything under control all the time and there's this ridiculous um sort of expectation that a woman or a um even the the mother father the the parents are are supposed to just have it all together and know everything and never do anything wrong. And even though we know it's impossible, there's still that expectation and that, that expectation puts a tremendous pressure on, on, on ourselves. And so I encourage people to, you know, it's okay to be a mess. It should be your stock standard phrase. It's okay to be a mess. Mm-hmm. Let's just learn how to manage the mess. we've medicalized misery for too long. We've pathologized childhood. We're now in an era that we have been pathologizing childhood for about 40 years now. And we are paying the price, you know, when you don't allow people to be a mess and then you can't process the mess. So if you don't allow people to be messy and life is so messy, from the little stuff to the big stuff, then it means that you're gonna suppress. If you suppress stuff, it's gonna explode in your life in all kinds of ways. And, you know, we've seen that, we've seen that evidence in our mental health system. So unfortunately about 40 years ago, the system or 50 years ago, the system shifted from looking at the whole person in the environment and the context and responses to adverse experiences, shifted from that to looking at mental health as being a disease of the brain. And you you couldn't be further from the truth. It's such an unscientific um, way of looking at it, even though there is, you know, the mind does use the brain and the brain does get affected. That's not the cause. The cause is very much in the environment, in how a person's managing how they are living. And so that should be the focus. That's why I always try and sort of take the pressure off people by accepting the fact that You know what? It's okay to be a mess. Let's just, you know, learn together how to, how to fix it, how to clean it up.
0: I love that. And you know, the truth of the matter is that as believers, we all have a sin issue, which just means that there's going to be a mess as we are on this side of heaven. And so that's the underlying
2: mess that we are all working with. Sorry, just on that point as well, is we all kind of like scientists and scientists are hypothesizing and experimenting. I'm still doing I do a lot of research. I've been doing it for 38 years. I run clinical trials and you you always, you know, you you experimenting. You are thinking that could it be this and you hypothesize and you test it. We do that, every human is doing that all day long. And um, because everything is new information and, and it's kind of a messy thing. And then this works and then that doesn't work. And let's adjust if this doesn't work. And that's a skill, that's mind management, being able to self-regulate, being able to stand back and see this did work, this impacted myself in this world, this impacted others, or this is how I'm showing up. And, you know, that's the key way that when we talk about capturing thoughts, you you're basically managing the messiness and giving yourself the kindness and compassion in the process. For sure.
1: We talk a lot, like I said, about the what's going on in me question, but then we also invite parents to go, what do I need from the Lord right now? Because that's really, you know, that's really how we can bring God's grace into those messy moments and just receive his compassion and his help in those times. That is what we've found to just be such a game changer for parents. So Dr. Leaf, your research has been just a huge contribution to the science of understanding the mind-brain-body connection and showing how it's in harmony with scripture. And on page 23 of your new book, you define what you mean by the mind. The mind is how we think, feel, and choose in response to everything that's going on around us while we're awake. So like I said, we talk a lot about our beliefs and our thoughts and how that affects what the behavior that comes out of us, but how do mental messes from our childhood follow us into adolescence
2: and adulthood? It's the undealt with stuff. If it's not dealt with, if you don't give the child the tools to process and allow them the space to process it becomes you know, thoughts are real things they occupy mental real estate they occupy um, everything they embodied in your mind brain body network and if we don't, if they, um, a whole mind brain body network is geared towards survival and it's literally, literally wired for love, which is what the scientists actually talk about. So they, you know, you don't have anything in you. Everything about you is for survival, is for moving forward, is for reaching out and operating in love. And therefore anything that's toxic, so abuse in childhood, abuse at any stage of your life, um, any kind of, and we define abuse or trauma, we need to think of a scale of one through 10, just to make it very simple and one, two, three being the daily struggles of, you know, things, sibling rivalry, a little bit of this, a little bit of something going on there, a little bit of irritation there, you know, the daily frustrations, and in the middle of the scale would be things that are actually becoming potential patterns and problems, and then your eight, nines, and tens would be the severe stuff, you know, the extreme abuse, verbal, physical, and so on. Hopefully, we don't have too much of that in our life, but some people grow up with years of that. And those, a lot of those are the kinds of people that I worked with when I was working clinically and that still reach out to us. And that we still do a lot of the work that I do is to try and help people on all levels of, of, of that extreme. But uh, so anything that happens to us, unless we process it, unless we re- deconstruct and reconstruct it, it's going to carry over into our future and impact how we function. So on none, we get different levels of mind. Actually, let me backtrack for a second. Let me maybe just make the distinction between mind, brain, body. And then maybe from there, just sort of talk about how thoughts actually form and why they carry over into adulthood or into adolescence. Whatever happens to you, undealt with, whatever age you're at, undealt with will carry over into your life and uh, into your future. And you don't have to have that happen. You can change things. You can't change your stories, but you can change what they look like inside of you and therefore how they play out into the future. And that's really key. Basically, your mind, brain, body network is what we would call the psychoneurobiological network. So I'm actually, my my field of expertise is psychoneurobiology. I'm a psychoneurobiologist and that's, so I look at that relationship and I look at how that shows up. So in other words, how are you showing up in the moment can be identified through signals. How you show up can be categorized, work, you can pretty much analyze and teach yourself to analyze how you're showing up. And then in that showing up, to understand that that's not who I am, but that's who I've become because of. So to go to your your question, if a person is showing up with a lot of relationship issues or can't form a stable relationship or doesn't trust others or just seems to have a lot of behavioral issues or battling with whatever, there's always a reason because that's not the wired full of nature um, in our structure and um, so therefore if anything disrupts that the way that we are the constructed literally the way that we are created designed structured whatever terminology you want to use is going to be one of survival where um, you're Unconscious mind, which to your deeper spiritual level, is searching to find the source of the disruption in your life, and it sends and it finds those send signals through the subconscious into the conscious mind, and then that shows up in what we say, what we do, what we feel, or how we're looking at life. You know how we functioning four different areas: um, uh, attitude and so on. So it's four different main categories: emotions, behaviors, um, bodily sensations, and perspective. And we can then break those down. So mm-hmm. essentially mind is how we take life from the moment we open our eyes till the moment we go to sleep and then while we're sleeping it's being sorted out so your mind never stops but your mind is how we take life and put that into the networks of the brain as protein structures that change that's called neuroplasticity looks like these tree things that we build made of proteins with literal vibrations which is the content which is the memories so just imagine trees growing in your brain with roots being the source of or the origin and then the tree trunk being how we uniquely process because we all think differently, think, feel, and choose differently. And then the branches are how that plays out into your life in terms of how you see yourself and think about yourself or think about others or whatever. And then that combination, that whole tree sends a message through to every other cell of your body. We have 37 to hundred trillion cells in our brain and body. So if that. From the tree in your brain, the rest of your body also gets like an imprint of that, but inside this, this this is what we call the skeleton of the cell. So you have a, you embody that experience. And then it's also in your mind, which is like a gravitational field, which is basic physics. Okay. So there's three places, which, and the reason I'm going to this sort of detail is if we have a memory that's undealt with, it's everywhere, it's all around us and everywhere. And our mind is the part of us, our aliveness, our deep, um, our aliveness, or the difference between a dead person and, 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 and an alive person would be the mind. So the mind is the life force. So the mind is what makes the brain work, the heart work, the lungs work, the blood to flow. When I use QEGs, for example, which is the technology I use to look at people, what's happening in people's brains when they do things and when they learn and manage their mind and all that stuff, um, we are we are basically reading, uh, we are looking at the energetic response of the brain. If you did. dead, there is no response. So that QEG is literally looking at life in the person. The ECG on EKG on someone's heart is looking at the the life in in the heart. In other words, no. dead person, no brain functioning, nothing happening. And I mean, I know I'm emphasising this point, but that's how big your mind is. It's your biggest thing. It's not. I have a mind. I have a. I have a. I must fix my mind, and I must fix my this, and I must fix my body. And it's your mind drives everything. If you're not managing your mind, it's messy brain, messy body, messy life. So that's really the essence. So in in having this conversation now. The people, your listeners are hearing information. It's auditory sound waves. It's the mind that enables you to hear what I'm saying. The mind is taking this in. There's a whole bunch of physics going on. And on a psychological level, you are thinking, feeling, and choosing. It then puts that into the brain and the brain responds and the body responds in the way that I've described by building these trees and these changes in the cells. And and then that all combines together. And influences your next sentence or the next way that you function and it all builds together. Now, we've been building these networks of thoughts. So thoughts are these the result of an experience. and made of memories. So think of these tree-like networks. All the little roots and branches are the memories. So memories cluster together and are the details of an experience. So think of the experience becomes the tree. Experience is made of details. The tree is made of memories. That's kind of your analogy there. So if it's a, a good experience, like this conversation now is really important. So this is a healthy experience, we're going to build a healthy network. And your body won't, your mind, brain, body network is not going to feel the need to get rid of this or to it's anything, it's going to prompt you to pay attention to this conversation. And you're going to get thoughts moving into your mind and you want to pay attention because this is information that's going to help you. So your mind, brain, body network is going to try and get you to focus on the good stuff to grow it and make you more resilient, and more uh, functioning in a better way in all aspects of your life, at the same time, it's also going to identify the areas that are holding you back, that are potentially disruptive to your functioning, and Mm -hmm. that includes the traumas from whatever stage of life, and that also comes through to the, from the non-conscious, to the conscious mind, through the subconscious, in the same way, where the one signal saying, hey, this is good, grab hold of it, and grow it, and the other one saying, hey, this is, is problematic in your life pay attention look at the information that this is providing to go to your point of what you do with connected families Lynn in terms of finding out that how I'm showing up why to to find the so every group of how we show up is, is as we focus on that we are going to bring the thought into our conscious mind and then we literally that's capturing the thought so through the signal attention to the signals we capture the thought and then we can deconstruct and reconstruct you can't eliminate you can't eliminate anything the current biomedical model is all about identify symptoms and eliminate the cause you can't do that it works for cancer and diabetes and whatever but it doesn't work for mind stuff because what's mm-hmm. happening is never going away it can just be managed and changed and then that changes how you play it into the future so if we don't Brilliant. that whole networked experience will just keep getting bigger and bigger and they're volcanic in nature they don't they're not static they grow and, grow and grow and grow and grow. So every time we trigger it in any way, then that is it, growing bigger and bigger. Whatever you think about the most grows and that goes yep. on a conscious level too. So eventually it will explode volcanic mode in how we functioning at some point in our life or various different points in our life because it needs to be dealt with. So much good stuff in there. I think that what you just clarified for me was that our
0: experiences are what kind of formulate the trees, is, yes. which is... Did you say that? So here's, here's thought tree
2: is different. Or is that the same thing? It's the same thing. So we are okay. having we are having an experience now. We're having this conversation. So we are looking at each other and we can see each other, and your listeners can hear. So therefore yeah. they are giving auditory, our voice is auditory sound waves. The brain and the mind, not the brain, the mind grabs that on a physics level, a bunch of stuff happens with electromagnetic light forces and gravitational fields and a bunch of stuff. And then into the brain and becomes a physical structural change in the brain made of proteins that group together to form tree-like structures. And that's the thought. Amazing. And I know because in your book, you actually have little scans and they kind of look like trees.
0: So I'm guessing that's where you came up with that, that image of trees. So this book is how to help your child. So the question is about thought trees. How can we help our kids understand how their experiences impact their brains and bodies? I, I just think this is so amazing because when I realized that a thought tree, my thoughts are literal things in my brain that can bring life or bring death. It was a game changer for me. Now I understood how important it was to learn how to manage my mind and manage my thoughts.
2: Okay. So back to that question, <laughs> Dr. Leaf, how can we help our kids understand this? Well, kids respond very quickly to this. I've I've been in the field, as you know, for years and my youngest patients were two and three years of age. My kids have grown up. I have four adult children. They've grown up with us. Um, and th- we've met actually not even thousands, millions of people globally now with this concept. And, and I say that to say that children respond quicker to this concept than adults so you I mean you literally can show a child a tree and say look at that beautiful green tree that's like the happy that happy birthday party th- experience that you had and they get that they say, that's why you can say you literally grow those in your brain and then you can maybe be driving down the road and you see a tree with all the leaves falling off and it's kind of old and it's very much alive but it doesn't look very pretty and you can say well that's like a bad experience." And so when you get that concept to a child, they really get that very easily. So what I've done in the book is used a lot of cartoons. We have we created a character, and I'm holding up for those of you that aren't seeing this is a little brainy toy. It's a little soft toy that we've created that people can actually buy to help their kids with the whole concept. It's brainy is a character I created who walks the mental health journey with you, and he's got yeah. this... Power, which is called the neurocycle which is basically how you make your brain work properly I mean that's simple language you use with your children in the book I've um, it's for two to ten year old and I've broken it up into developmental stages and I give you the phraseology that you can use with the different ages but I basically take you through the process of how to explain a thought tree to a child and how that thought tree grows in your brain and in, in, in the first place and how it also gets into your body and your mind but we keep that level of understanding you know very simplistic kids get this at two year old you and that's why i've got a little the brainy characters brain head is a brain and uh-huh. the whole idea of you can actually change that you aren't your brain you actually your you are your mind and your mind uses your brain and your body and the two three together or how you then can function. So you can explain that to a child. And you can explain like when a child comes, maybe the child comes home from daycare or from school and they're really upset and they're just not eating their food and they may be throwing a tantrum in the car or they are get go in their room and they're just sitting on their phone or they whatever, whatever is happening, they there's a change in pattern. Now instead of us disciplining or telling them don't do that and that's bad or whatever or just ignoring it or whatever you can actually help that child to process that. And there's two aspects to this. The one is that the easiest way for a child to be able to process anything is for a adults to be able to look after themselves so it's the oxygen mask principle you've got to give yourself oxygen first before you can give your child i know that that's kind of a philosophy that you adopt here as well with connect the families the best way to help a child is to help the parents in their life and their caregivers and the grandparents in their life manage their own reactions children are way more insightful than what we give them credit for and there's a lot of research coming out now showing that now put some of that research in the book there's also the book's very simple by the way it is there is science everywhere but it's very very simple simply written with a lot of practical tools secondly Mm -hmm. children are are very authentic they recognize authenticity so when a parent um, doesn't say listen I'm sorry for whatever it doesn't explain why they are in a certain state the child will assume that they've done something wrong and they know something's wrong you can't hide it from a child that's what I'm basically saying the ability to do body language is way is actually better than an adult but they don't have the linguistics potentially, but at a three-year-old or a five or even an eight and a 10-year-old don't always have the words to be able to try and describe how they're feeling or how the parent is responding. So to help your child, I was actually asked this question a lot in the Mary's interviews. If I had to do one thing, or two things for the mental health current mental health crisis that we're facing, what would I do? And my first my first answer would be teach mind management to the parents and then teach mind management, let the parents teach the mind management to the children. Let's educate and help the parent first. And I know that that's a big philosophy of yours as well. you mm-hmm. so are having a bad day. Don't go and pretend it's all fine and you know put a band aid scripture on the process or pretend it doesn't exist. Go through. Everything. Tell them. And, and I have built the system, the scientific system that captures thoughts and renew the mind. If you want the scriptural link, but there's the science of how to process through what you're going through. That's called the neurocycle. So the book is yeah. uh, the second half of the book, I explained. Um, I've explained how to, the situations to apply it in, like trauma and identity and social situations. The first half of the book, once I've explained thought trees and things like that, I explain the neurocycle. There's also an app called the Neurocycle app, which mm-hmm. you can use for anyone from sort of 12 and up. And then we're adding in um, parents, the parent neurocycles, so that you can f- f- how, that basically the, the elements from the book, but as actual worked examples going are going into the app. So that's just to tell people if you feel overwhelmed by what you're hearing now, there's a yeah. lot of sources to you know, you Lots have of resources. Exactly. You don't have to learn everything in this session. I'm giving you such a cliff note version of this concept. But essentially, you can drive the way that your brain the neuroplasticity of your brain so you can drive the trees that are driving you you can change those Now you don't pull the tree out you go and heal the root you've, you've mm-hmm. got to get down to the root and you've got to put plant food on and that's kind of how you tell the children so they're coming home very sad and whatever situation you're going to and let's say it's happening a few times maybe it's a new pattern that's you can see a change in the child maybe it's making you very frustrated and very worried. And so you, you know, you haven't kind of, you've just sort of pretended, you know, not pretended you've maybe suppressed how you've, you know, reacted or trying not to, trying to pretend everything's fine, but you're not, you're worried. A child yeah. needs worry. Your child's anxiety um, worry, sadness is going to be a reflection of how you are handling yourself. It just goes straight through to the child. So it's way better for you to say, I'm feeling like this. This is what I'm going through and actually do a neurocycle on your state of mind. And that way you're giving them permission to to actually have messy feelings and to see that the adults in my life also battle but they there's a way to get through this and it creates deep meaningful connection and collaboration and all kinds of things the key here is this is not what I'm saying is not a unknown key difference here is that the neurocycle is based on how we will create the change that is actually going to happen over the long term in other words how do we turn this into an effective habit that actually is something that changes in the in the future it isn't just going to be nice to know now here at once yes that's a great principle but you're You still have the same things happening at home or in your own life. So the NeuroCycle therefore was how you drive these protein changes in the trees and the vibrations and the chemicals and all this physiological stuff. It's how you actually change that and stabilize that. You can teach the kids. You can teach this from the age of two. There's a lot of little practical tips. I don't know if you want to ask me anything about what I've said, and then I could maybe just give you a few little practical ideas. Yeah, so
0: I mean that's what the whole second half of this book is—is is giving such practical examples, even the actual words that parents can use to teach their kids to walk through those steps of the neural cycle. And I just love how practical you've been with its—it's it's part two of the book, and then part three you mentioned it is actual examples of specific things that parents may be dealing with in their homes. There's there's so much of what you just said. I loved how you said we're we're working on ourselves first. It has mm-hmm. to start there. So many resources for that in your ministry and you mentioned your app where parents can work on it. How many steps is it? Six steps. I've done it. I've I've received freedom in areas that I was growing really ugly dead trees in my mind and they are alive now.
2: <laughs> Caroline, so it works. But how many steps are there? I can't remember right now. It's six. I uh, know there's five steps, but right. you also hear the brain. So, those five steps, what I had to do was to try and take this very complex thing of what's happening in the brain when stuff goes in and thoughts and memories and all this neurophysiology. And I simplified it down to these five processes that you go through. So, it's actually, right. like- now you can put anything you want. Into once you understand the steps, you can use any techniques or you know any kind of sort of philosophies, or whatever that you or whatever it, you know, like for example, if you want to put scriptures in, if you want to put like a little techniques in, but as long as you put them in the right place. So for example, you I think you mentioned learn about CBT cognitive behaviour therapy. You mentioned I think I heard you mention that those mm-hmm. are techniques, but if you they don't fix a problem, so they're great to use. For example, in step five. So what I'm saying is the neurocycle doesn't throw out what you're doing. I take all the great advice. I know that you already have or got inside. You've got so much wisdom inside of us as parents, you know, you follow a lot of your gut instinct. You will find that there's so much wisdom there and there's such great teaching, you know, such great books out there on helping us as well. You take all of that, but you've just got to put it in the right order. If you don't put things in the right order, it becomes knowledge that's nice to know, but it's very difficult to apply. So what if mind, if mind drives everything, we need to learn to manage our mind in the moment so you, if your child is at school and they're getting bullied, you, they need to know how to handle themselves in that moment so that it doesn't get stuck in them and affect then how they come home and function at home. And Or even if it does, they know how to, they now have the tools to be able to cope to a certain extent at school. And then when they come home, they have the tools to be able to con- connect with a parent. So for example, one of the very practical things is that I always recommend that you allocate or designate an area in your home that is specifically for mind management now you could call it brainy's place or the neurocycle or kids love brain words they they love the big words so don't go make it too you know don't let them choose the word so a lot of kids will say that's my neurocycle corner or that's my brain corner or that's whatever but you make it pretty get a little bit nice little chair there and a little box maybe you've got the brainy toy the book other toys maybe paint one of the walls if you've got the space with that chalk paint, have some chalk so you can actually write on the walls and erase it, have a notebook there. And like we designate the kitchen to cook and the bathroom to to have a shower and clean our teeth and all that kind of stuff, we want that same concept of having a designated space in our home so that we understand that that's the space I go to. And I'm really battling and that's mom, dad, everyone, the whole family. If you walk in the doors, mom or dad or whatever, um, granny, uncle, aunt, and you're having a really bad time, you know, you want your kids to get to the point, which I've seen this in my own work. And I know from stories of parents feeding back to me that the children will come and take your hand and say, go sit there and work it out. You know, or you in the car? <laughs> and the, the I love it. Fantastic. For leading out of the-, the mouth of babes. They do. I tell right, right. you, mouth of babes, the wisdom when you, as you go through the five steps, which I can quickly run through in a moment with a practical idea, children will get more and more engaged. And what you're doing is you tune, you're teaching the brain preparation, which comes before the five steps, helps your neurophysiology to basically calm down, so that your brain and mind and body are very calm, so that you can tune into the work of the neurocycle. Because the neurocycle is work. It does. It's not easy. It's going to take you at least nine weeks as a family to learn it. But once you've learned it, you will apply it. You'll find yourself applying it in multiple ways. And I give you lots of simple techniques of how to actually build this into your house. So the designated area is one of the tips. Another tip is we keep speaking about four signals. In the very first step, step one, after the brain prep, you, you deal with the four signals what is, let me just backtrack for a second. The brain preparation are things like breathing or a little meditation or something just to calm you down, to calm down the neurophysiology, something as simple as breathing three and out. I think
0: that's really good, Dr. Leaf, because at that point, talking about preparing yourself is right into Lynn's specialty of being an OT. And so we really wanted to kind of, ask you some questions around how those two merge. So I wonder Lynn, if you wanted to dive into that for a second right here.
1: Yeah, I I hear a lot of people talking about Oh, deep breathing and meditation and mindfulness and such. But in the kids that we work with, a lot of them are they're so dysregulated that they really need big kind of bottoms up body up regulation. You know, we've got a lot of tools for that. But just seeing the shift that can happen in a brain state when kids are doing that. I was coaching a family once and they, you know, they were working the cognitive processes and they were trying to have a gratitude circle and everybody was so crabby. And the dad (laughs) goes, come on, let's do Johnson family circuit when they know that that means we all run out into the garage, there's four mini trams, we all bounce, and then we quick shift and go to the next one. And they just were laughing and they came
2: back and then gratitude was just pouring out of them. Lovely. That's exactly what the brain prep idea is. It's get yourself into that state where you can focus. And I would- Lot of OT. So I'm, that's why I build this into the, you know, one of the reasons that I built this in, because there's so much emphasis on mindfulness and meditation, which is great, but it's like flying a plane. If you, if you, and the research is showing this as well, if you just bring things up through awareness, you're actually going to be worse if you don't know how to actually manage the process. So it's like a flying a plane. You may know how to take off, but if, if you can't fly and land the plane, you're going to crash. So what we're doing a lot with kids and all, a lot of the books that you just can pick up at Target in a lot of places. In, and school programs are encouraged. Let's talk about how we feel. Now, that's not enough, though. You can't just talk about how you feel. You've got to prepare your brain to talk about how you feel. And then you've got to know what to do with what is your feeling associated with behaviors and so on. And you've got to know then now what do I do now that I've brought this thing up and this is the behavior, whatever. Now, what is the what's this thing coming from? Because feelings don't just come from nowhere. They come from something. So it's to track them through. What do those feelings come from? They come from these trees. Well, let's have a look at the structure of the tree. Let's go look at the root because the root you know where we probably got the problems where it's you know and you can go and fix the roots and and you can put plant food on and then you can reconstruct and see how you can play this play out into the future. Then you've got to practice that new wave. So, you know, and the, and the movement is vital throughout. One of the things I say in the book as well, at any point you may have to do a brain prep and you've just confirmed that. You know, if you're sitting there, a gratitude circle, it sounds wonderful, but geez, when you've got kids that are like jumping around the place, that's not going to work at all well. And it also sounds, it's not realistic. So parents will feel, oh, I can't get this right. You know, and that's you where know, the social media thing comes in and messy parenting. Hey, listen, you're not, if your kids are all hyper, a gratitude circle or they're just going to laugh at you. It's it's way better to get the fun and then be while you're outside throwing the ball around or whatever it is that you do or whatever that's when you can say, well, this is so much fun. I love this. That's enough. That's you've got the gratitude thing going already instead of making it a, you know, whatever. So I agree Mm -hmm. with you. It's very important. Mm -hmm. That's good. You know, we're
0: coming to the end of our show today and we're so grateful that you've been with us, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Let's end the show, making it really practical. You've already mentioned your children and they've been raised with all of this. So as a mother, how have you used the Neurocycle that you've been describing to us
2: to manage mental health issues with your own kids? Well, it's a lifestyle. So it's not something, you know, as, as I said, at first, it takes you time to learn the five steps, which are gather awareness, reflect, write, recheck and active reach each with its own whole thingy. So at first you're going to learn how to do it. So our family have been doing that for so long. So it's, it's instinctive. It's a lifestyle. So if I'm worked up, I'll do a neuro cycle to calm down. If I'm in a meeting, if I'm, you can do the neuro cycle in under 30 seconds, if it's in, in the moment need. And if there's a big trauma, and you see that there's a change of pattern, you may not know that there is a trauma, but you see that your child's changing and there's a regular change in their pattern. And I go into this a lot in the second half of the book about how to start recognizing, I give a story of a child that as well, that's pretty sad, uh, very sad, but ends up being happy of a real person who actually um, went through some went, went through a lot of stuff. But it, when it's something big, like a trauma, that's been a, something that's been suppressed for time being, you're not going to fix that in one neurocycle. You're going to have to do a planned and guided. It's a planned and guided system. You're going to have to do that daily over a period of time in order to for change to happen. So you can. Yeah. So I've used it, You know, it's something. It's you'll be in a meeting and maybe people are getting worked up. I mean, family. It's a lot easier to get worked up in it's family than if it's you know if it's <laughs> not. Family. Yes. But we all know we we know exactly as soon as we recognize that we'll look away for a few moments and quickly run through the neurocycle to calm down in terms of dealing with the big issues of life. The conversations we have are around, okay, there's this pattern, you know, this is happening, let's down dig through, let's go, let's do these neuro So it's it's a lifestyle. It's, it's not a, oh, let me do a neuro now and then. I'm basically giving you the skills of how you capture, sort and renew your mind as a lifestyle that you're doing it automatically. Now we do do this, the psychoneurobiological work that, that I do. Basically for your mind and brain to work, it has to work on these cycles and they're happening 400 billion actions per second. So what I've done is I've taken something that we do to function and brought it out into the open and made it very conscious. And then you're going to reorganize the messy mind into these steps and then it goes back into the non-conscious or deep spiritual part of you and helps to guide you it's a lifestyle. We use it all the time for everything. And what's really its funny is that maybe I get irritated about something or I react or my husband does, or one of the kids do, we all just throw it out there. Hey, you know, you need a neurocycle. And
1: what I love about that is I'm sure you have modeled it so many times and then celebrated the benefit of it. It's like, oh, I feel so much better. And that's something we really talk with parents about is modeling and then celebrating when you work through stuff, when we throw off shame, when we receive God's Grace and truth for us when we think things through, then to visibly model that feels so much better. So the kids are drawn to that process instead of ashamed by. Oh, you need a neural
2: cycle. You know that's not how it feels at all. Oh, yeah. led your family with grace. Is a celebration, as you say, because you they see the difference in you. I mean, I was just having a conversation earlier on with in a meeting with, and one of the kids said, "We really saw change when you did X, Y, and Z when you were working on whatever." And you know when you're children see that and then we we Mm. can say, yeah we saw that and so there's a lot of celebration of growth in each of us and in relationships and then in friends and then they help their friends I mean as they were going through school they would their kids would say hey can you show us how to do that stuff that your mom does to help and that you know the peer support thing which was really great to see the comes from practical experiences this is science evidence-based hardcore science showing up to 81 percent improvement in how we manage our mind but it's also very practical hands-on parenting and therapeutic experience.
0: That's good. And I just want to end the show. What you said earlier was something like, we can't change our experiences. We can't change our kids' experiences. We're living in this world. Difficult and hard things are going to come to us, but we can manage our minds and control
2: how we, what's the word that you said, like perceive it or process it, how we internalize it. Yeah. So you can, you can't change what's happened to you, but you can change what it looks like inside of you. So you can literally rewire the toxic networks, which will then change how it plays out into your future. So another way of saying it is you can't control events and circumstances, but you can learn to control how you react and respond and perceive all those things, which then as you're doing that, you are rewiring and therefore changing yeah. the, you know, the, the trial becoming the testimony kind of thing. And as we
0: work on it, then we can teach our kids to do that. And that is what Growing resilience in our kids and helping them to learn to manage their mind is all about. Dr. Caroline Lee, thanks for being with us. Lynn, thanks for being here again today.
1: Yeah, it was great. What a stimulating conversation. I know. <laughs> so, Dr. Time. Caroline,
0: how can people get a hold of you? We'll have all the links in our show notes, but anything specific
2: that you'd like to say about that? Yeah, the easiest way is to probably find me on social media, Dr. Caroline Leaf, because from there, you can get to my webpage, drleaf.com. The books available, my books are available wherever books are sold. And we have yep. a I have Brainy and the little Brainy toy and the coloring book. That's also all available on our website. So we do a lot of mixture of stuff for adults and parents.
0: You do. You're in a season of talking about parenting there and it's been good. Well, thanks again for being on our podcast
2: today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed it.
0: you find yourself feeling angry or struggling with negative and hopeless thoughts? Maybe those are the thought trees Dr. Caroline talked about today. We all have at one time or another. I certainly have. Here at Connected Families, we have a five session online course that will encourage you with hopeful truth. The course is called Grace and Truth for Moms. And it's a core teaching that comes out of the first level of the Connected Families framework. You are safe with me. Lori, Mama three, said this after she went through the course. She said, you know, God spoke to my heart and showed me how I have subconsciously been believing lies about myself and my parenting. I realized that I have had a goal of becoming some sort of perfect parent. I needed to let go of that goal and just rest in the truth that I'm doing my best and will never be perfect, but Jesus is perfect. So good. Well, I hope you registered today. All the information about the Grace and Truth for Moms online course is in our show notes, or you can go to connectedfamilies.org. Thanks so much for tuning in today, friends. We are a listener-supported organization. Over 52,000 of you parents listen to the podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip, and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.